Well, welcome to the Cupper Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Claim, joined by Eric Stearns, and today we're digging into our new message series based on the life of Joseph from the Old Testament, uh, digging into some of the nitty-gritty details of Joseph's background and just kind of where this favoritism comes from, and then just kind of laying some groundwork as to why we're preaching this sermon series right now. Let's get into it. Why this Why this um, sermon series? Like what... What made you pick this one? What was the, the inspiration, I guess? Yeah. Um, so I kind of have inadvertently created a pattern uh, where in the fall, we start to dig into one character um, of the of the Bible. Uh, two years ago was the Apostle Paul. We did the uh, the series the, the series on Paul and his life and ministry and responding to the call of God. Um, and then we talked about Peter um, being the flawed and faithful disciple uh, last year. And so I was just like, well, we've kind of started in this trajectory of going through like a real character study um, in the fall. And I was like, we haven't really preached out of the Old Testament a whole lot over the last little bit. Um, and so, yeah, let's do an Old Testament character. And just like um, the reason why I settled on Joseph is because he does live a life with integrity. Um, and he does live this life where he is challenged every single way that you can think of, you know, he is tempted by power. I mean, he is in this family, like in God's chosen family, like this is, you know, this is the promise, the promised people of God. Like he's a descendant of Abraham. He is one through whom the promises of God are going to be fulfilled. He's the favorite son. And like that could have led to him being, cocky and you know self-centered and arrogant and you know fill in all the negative adjectives that you want to but it didn't the commentaries that i read this week made it clear that there was no malintent in him sharing his dreams with his brothers it was him just talking it was him just sharing him just like thinking well how cool is this you know he wasn't trying to like set himself as a, a above his Above his station, he wasn't trying to set himself above his brothers. He just had this thing happening in his life, and he wanted to talk to somebody about it. Like, he's maintained this humility, even though he's being told these conflicting messages of his greatness by the dreams and by God, and even his father a little bit. He's being told this, you know, this counter message by his brothers about how awful he is and how terrible, you know, how much he's, you know, annoying to them and just, you know, he's terrible and awful what do you do with that? You know, like, what do you do with the wild dream that God gives you? Um, but then it doesn't come true for, you know, for Joseph, it was 20 years. Um, all told between his initial dreamings at age 17 and his rise to power in Egypt, it's 20 years. And in those 20 years, he's beaten and left for dead. He's sold into slavery. He's falsely accused of rape. He's, you know, there's just all this stuff that happens, but he maintains his integrity in the midst of all of it. You know, and so now we we are called to lead, lead these Christian lives, and life can be just as weird for us as it was for Joseph. Like, I hope that we never go through half of what Joseph goes through, but yet the question remains for us, how do we live? How do we live with integrity? And then at the end of the story, the punchline of the entire story is that Joseph is in, is in Egypt leading them to economic success. They have enough food, not just for themselves, but for the entire region, because from Canaan, here come these starving boys. I'm just like, oh my gosh, you guys have food. Can you please help us? And it's the brothers. 
you know, and like Joseph reveals himself and, you know, the brothers are like, oh, crap. We thought he was dead. We thought we sold him to the Ishmaelites. We thought, you know, and now here he has all this power. We're going to get creamed and we're going to deserve it, but we're going to get creamed. And Joseph's like, no, that's not how it's going to be. Like he shows such a measure of grace that I find hard to attain. I mean, when someone does something wrong to me, I want to like drive it home. I I want to, I want them to know that they've wronged me and I want them to know and I want it to hurt. Um, but Joseph doesn't do that. Joseph does not take that tack. Joseph says what you all intended for evil. God is used for good and forgives his brothers. And they all live happily ever after until, you know, generations later when, when, when Israel falls into slavery details, you know, but throughout Joseph's entire life, he lived with this absurd integrity and he lived with this grace and he lived with this conviction for so long. I mean, he had these dreams when he was a kid and then not until he's, you know, a very adulty adult, do these things start to come to pass and come to fruition. And a lot, like I said, a lot of stuff happens between then and there. But he holds on to the idea of the dreams. He he holds on to the notion that God's working in and through him. And I'm I'm way faster to throw in the towel than he is. You know, if I have this wild God dream and it doesn't like just happen, I'm like, okay, cool. God didn't want that instead. My bad. Like I'm uh, maybe I'm the one that's wrong, you know, and I'm just so willing. I'm willing to just, you know, lay it aside. But how do we how do we hold on to that spark, too? So. I think that this, I think that this story answers a lot of questions that we made that we, that we're asking right now. And so wanted to dig into it. Mm -hmm. It's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are your thoughts about it? Yeah. As you were going through that, or even as I was re-listening to it this morning, I just, I thought about how I can, I influence my kids as they have these big dreams. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not saying that I don't have dreams because I do and and things that I'm working towards and trying to attain. Right. But I can work towards that, but I have a really strong influence on what my kids are going to, you know, I can, I can support them. Mm -hmm. It's trying to teach them that, yes, go chase those dreams that you have. Teach them to be, um, you know, productive dreams, you know, you don't want them chasing something that's not productive right. in the world, but, but to, to guide them and to not, you know, treat people poorly in order to get the things that you want. Um, mm-hmm. And I can, as a parent, I can point to Joseph and say, Hey, this, look at this example of a guy who just got crapped on his whole life but had this dream and kept working towards it, knowing that someday it was going to come true. Right. Um, Yeah. That's kind of what I thought about. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And like, I mean, not to just know we can't just throw stones at Jacob, but you know, we can also look to him as an example of how not to do some stuff too. You know, the the father in the story is not necessarily the father that we want to talk about. Or that we want to be. Yeah. If we see a if we see a dynamic starting to form, I think that that's our job as parents to like squash that rather than to 
exacerbate it. So if we really ever got into um, onto why Joseph is the favorite, because um, then there there is a there, there is a definitive reason as to why he's the favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the way that the Good News translation put it is kind of that idea of glossing over that we talked about, like the VeggieTales version. Um, you know, there's there's some nitty gritty details that the that the Bible definitely left out of that story. Um, and the reason why Joseph is the favorite of the 12 sons of Jacob is because of who his mom is. Um, you know, back in Genesis 29, Jacob meets Rachel and is immediately smitten by her. Like they, they have this meet cute moment where they, you know, where they find the, you know, where Jacob comes to her area, um, and meets Rachel and he is just like instantly in love with her and, you know, starts to work for Rachel's dad, um, Laban and Laban's like, well, you're working for me. What do you want for working for me? Um, and Ray and Jacob's like, well, I want your daughter, Rachel's hand in marriage. The problem is, is that Rachel's the younger daughter and like, that's not how it works. Um, you know, usually like in, you know, in our day and age, it doesn't matter nearly as much, but in that day and age, the older daughter got married first. That's how it worked. You don't, you know, marry off the younger daughter. Um, but Rachel was the younger daughter and had a had an older sister named Leah. And so Laban hatches this plan seven years earlier and says, Hey, if you work for me for seven years, you can have my daughter's hand in marriage. Notice that he doesn't specify which daughter you can have my daughter's hand in marriage. And so after seven years of working for Laban, um, it comes time for like wedding time. Um, and really it comes time for consummation time because that's how Jewish families work. Um, and it ends up being Leah in the tent. And so he ends up married to Leah and he's just like, um, what now? Jacob worked for seven years to marry Rachel. He is in love with Rachel. He's been in love with Rachel this entire time. And now he's married to Leah and Laban's like, well, the older daughter gets married first. That's how it works. Work for me for another week and you can marry my daughter, Rachel. And so he marries Rachel and then he works, then he goes on to work for Laban for seven more years. So he worked for 14 years for Laban on his farm and married both of his daughters. And so like, and both of those daughters had um, other female helpers, um, Bilpah and Zilpah. Um, And so all these 12 sons came from the two daughters, Rachel and Leah, and then also Bilpah and Zilpah, the assistants of the two daughters. And so like right because Rachel or because Jacob was so in love with Rachel and Rachel bore him Joseph, Joseph becomes the favorite. Like so is, is Joseph the only child of Rachel? No, Benjamin the youngest youngest is also um is also the 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 son of of Rachel. Um, but because Joseph is the older, oldest is the older brother of the beloved wife. He is, he's the favorite. Hmm. So yeah, it's tricky and it's messy and it's really, really like, I don't know. It almost feels like biblical gossip because it's like, you know, yeah, it's like, you know, who's sleeping with who and, you know, it comes down to motherhood and like to hear it in the good news translation of, Oh, well, Joseph's the favorite because he was born in Jacob's old age. 
no, 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 no. <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with it being the favorite wife. So. First of all, can we, well, this may or may not be for the podcast, but first of all, wives, that's just stressful. Like that's way too much work. Yeah. <laughs> but, but in a serious note, like call to Mary, I mean, the, the idea of polygamy and concubines, right? Mm-hmm. Like <clears throat> as Christians, where does that switch for us? Where, I mean, is it just societal that we're like, no, that's not what we do. Or how does that, how does that work? Um, yeah, I, that's a really good question. Um, and not at all where I thought the podcast was going to go and that's just fine. Um, you know, that's why we're here. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was societal. I think that monogamy, um, became kind of more, more understood, um, as the, as the norm of things. I mean, Jesus never really addresses it, um, other than to say, you know, if you are lusting after somebody that is not someone that you're supposed to be lusting after, you need to shut that down. Like you need to control yourself. If you can't control yourself, cut your hand off because if you, you know, if you fall into sexual sin, it's better to walk around life with one hand than to, than to not, um, you know, than, than to fall into sin or it's better to pluck your eye out than to fall into sin. And so like, that's really the only, the only real time that gets addressed is you know is Jesus making this 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 claim this way of of reinterpreting um society that Jesus you know does in the sermon on the mount which is where that comes from um but yeah i think it was more just kind of society moved on um you know the the need to populate the earth became less and you know i just think that that uh, yeah that's kind of that's that's my that's my understanding this yikes <laughs> right that seems stressful and way too much work. Yeah. Yep. It's two married men talking about this. <laughs> I can't imagine having more than one wife. I love mine, but I don't yep. want to. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's TWO, not, you know, I don't want to love my wife. You're right. It's just, let's just, you know. Very true. Yeah. Very let's true. specify because <laughs> podcast. So. Numeral two, not. Not, yeah. Not, yeah also. Yes. I do not want to WO. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting that it was the favorite wife's oldest son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He also didn't dislike his other wife too much for having that many children with all these other people. Right. <laughs> yeah. One, I mean, it's just kind of an interesting societal thing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Men definitely treated much differently than than they are now oh yeah definitely in the western in our in our western society anyway yeah i mean women were prop i mean they were just above property i mean it was not and like that's you know the women that you love were just above property like concubines and servants and everything else like that that was just that was just a possession that you used and you know yeah Yeah. it was a it was a resource Mm-hmm. That's a really unfortunate way that the world worked. Um, and I'm glad that we have moved forward into progress. But, you know, 
We can't, I mean, talking about, you know, heroes of the Bible and the warts and all of it all. This is part of the warts of all, warts of it all is just the the role of women and, and how that has been, has, has been turned and twisted and yeah, yeah, throughout the, throughout, throughout time. Right. Well, and it's, it's something we, it's, it's, like you said, it's warts that we have to deal with and we have to be okay with Mm -hmm. and doing things that we don't agree with, you know? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why, I mean, that's just another example of Jesus turning things on on its head completely of, you know, Jesus is really, I mean, when you look at the way that Jesus interacted with women, I mean, that was scandalous and he just didn't care. You know, John four, the, the story of the woman at the well, like, you know, she straight up calls him out and he's just like, why are you a Jewish man talking to me, a Samaritan woman? Like, first of all, Jews and Samaritans, that's drama. And then also you're a man and I'm a woman and this is not a conversation that we should be having like this kind of, we should not be talking. Why are you talking to me? Why are you continuing to talk to me? And Jesus treats her with such dignity, um, you know, and like to the point where she can't help, but go and proclaim Jesus to her community. Like that just the, and, you know, just, and, and the, and the way that Jesus healed, like I think of the woman that had the, the bleeding disorder, like, you know, she's been dealing with this disorder for years and years and years. And, you know, Jesus just with such grace, you know, who touched me in the crowd and, you know, just, the disciples are like, we can't possibly know who touched you. But the woman, you know, knew that Jesus was looking for her and stood up and Jesus said, okay, cool. Well, you are healed because of your faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's another great example of treating those around us that are considered unequal as equals. Absolutely. Yeah. I like, I like though how you, uh, open this sermon with talking about David and Jonah and yep. those that have issues. Um, yes. That we still have to be okay with those issues and, and understand who they were as, as, as heroes in the Bible. Cause I still struggle with David to be completely honest. Fair. Like all the yeah. crap that he did. I'm like, man, you know? Yep. Yeah. Killing the best friend to steal his wife and just. Yep. To the point that it takes a prophet, like, you know, telling you a parable to be like, oh, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you know, and just, yeah, that whole story is so messed up. Right. Yep. But it just shows you the power of human greed and, you know, absolute power corrupting you know he was the king and the greatest king and people just fawned over him and he thought he could do anything he wanted to and did and then found out that he could not right but that's the ultimate power of god too like Mm -hmm. he can take those people the people who do really really terrible things and use them for amazing things yes absolutely yep yeah, and like that's why Joseph is so different, and like that's why I named this sermon series "A Life of Character and Grace," um, because he does live with with character and with integrity throughout the entirety of his story. Like I said on Sunday, if there are warts to Joseph's story, it is in his social unawareness. Like 
He's trying to, I mean, I don't think that there was malice or bad intention when he's just like, hey, guys, I had this dream and it's so crazy. I want y'all to know about it. Read the room, buddy. Like, mm-hmm. this is not going to go well. And then he has another dream and he's just like, guys, guess what? You're, you know, all these stars and the sun and the moon bowed to me. And they're just like, mm, no, thank you. And you know, if they're if, if if that's the biggest wart in his story, which we're going to find out basically is still a pretty good example for us to follow. Right. He had definitely had a very punchable face. Oh, yeah. Had to have. Story, like had to have had a very punchable face. Yes. Oh, we'll get there. It's next week. So. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, I can't oh, imagine my brothers and being not necessarily. I mean, it, it would be demeaning listening to that in his oh, yeah. listening to that and being told that you're less than by your little brother. I mean, I'm an older brother, and so thankfully he hasn't done that to me. So, except for as kids, because who would who doesn't as four brothers growing up? But right. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, I mean, it would be the same as Jared coming and saying, you know, these these crazy wild things to you, or you know, or really with the with the birth order, it'd be like you going to John and Brian and saying these crazy wild things, and then just seeing what happened next. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just yeah, I don't think that would go well for anybody. And yeah, yeah, like like one of the things that the commentaries I read this week made clear is just like. There's no bad intention here. There's no, like, he's not trying to rub it in their faces, but he ends up rubbing it in their faces. And no matter what his intentions were, that's what happened. And that's how it was received. And he just didn't, you know, he didn't get it. And then more dangerously, Jacob didn't get it. You know, like he could be, he, after the second dream, he did pull his son aside and like chastise him and say, Hey, like, do you really think that this is going to come true? Do you really think that this is what God's doing? And also like tone it down, man. And mm-hmm. yeah, the, but the damage was already done as we're going to see, like I said, as we're going to see next week, as the story continues to unfold, we're going to get into what happens when the brothers got sick of Joseph. So. Sure. So you, you can introduce Joseph this week. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of gave us a little bit of the background. What does next week look like? Yeah, so next week we're going to be moving forward to the next scene in the story. Um, you know, we're going to be picking up right where we left off in scripture. Um, Jacob sends the brothers out to watch the flock, um, keeps Joseph with him. Um, maybe it looks like he's trying to protect him, but not really, um, because then he sends Joseph out there by himself to go and like make sure that his brothers are doing what they're supposed to do. He's going to be in that role of the snitch that he was again earlier. But this time the brothers have had enough of it. Um, the brothers band together and they say, look at the dreamer. And like, you know, proving that sarcasm is as old as the Bible itself. Um, you know, um, look at that dreamer. And then they decide to kill him. And then the oldest brother, Reuben, steps in and says, OK, let's not kill him. But, you know, let's beat him up a little bit. You know, let's rough him up. And they end up roughing him up, throwing him in a pit. 
or a cistern. Um, and then they get another idea of selling him to some Ishmaelites that are passing by. And that's really the bridge from how he gets from Canaan to Egypt is these Ishmaelites take him and then they sell him to Potiphar, um, who he ends up working for, um, who, which we'll talk about in two weeks. But um, this is the story of the brothers uh, desiring to shatter the dreams of Joseph, uh, desiring for those for these dreams to stop happening by making sure that Joseph doesn't dream anymore by killing him. Um, until they're, you know, distracted by their own greed. Um, yeah, so we're going to be digging into, like, you know, we've probably never been through something like that, I hope, a lot of us, but yet we've been through, you know, we've had ideas and we've had dreams and we've had, like, you know, this understanding of where God's leading us, but it doesn't work out. Um, something happens, there's, there, there's forces that work against us. How do we hold on to god's call in our lives when things are that crazy or how do we hold on to our faith in god when life is that crazy like um there's a psalm that talks about like the wicked are prospering and everything's upside down and life doesn't make a lot of sense god where are you in the midst of all of this joseph would be would be having those same feelings those same impressions like the brothers are having their way with life right now they're doing whatever they want to they're beating me you know they they beat me and left me for dead you know, where's God in the midst of all of that? How do we hold on to our faithfulness when life feels so disordered? So that'll be kind of where we where we spend our time focusing on Sunday. So I think everyone has those thoughts, mm-hmm. those struggles. Well, thanks for joining us this week's Cut for Time podcast. Join us again next week in church in person at 10 a.m. online or for the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.